All right, good morning. Heard a little couple of chuckles there. I think some uh, couples out there relating to some of the images on the screen there. Um, if you're brand new here this morning, welcome to Connect Church. My name's Dave. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. And uh, we're actually going to talk this morning about a, a subject called Relationship Goals. Okay, so this Thursday, in case you'd uh, not realized, good news is you've still got three or four days here, guys, to, to do something about it. But this Thursday is Valentine's Day. Um, so coming up on Valentine's Day, we're going to start to hear a lot about uh, romance and all that kind of thing. So um, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a lot about different kind of relationships. But this Sunday, I want to talk about that, that one special relationship that many of us uh, may find ourselves in here this morning. And... Um, You've probably seen pictures on Instagram or uh, Pinterest with that hashtag, relationship goals. And the idea behind these pictures, okay, is it's the relationship we all dream of having. Sometimes that picture might be a famous couple, a celebrity couple. Sometimes it's just this random couple, you know who they are, but whatever it is they're portraying in that picture, you're like, oh, that's, that's the relationship I want. Hashtag, relationship goals. That's, that's what I'm seeking for. That's, that's what I'm searching for. But um, you do realize, okay, that those are pictures, right? Okay, in fact, in some of those pictures, those people aren't even in a relationship. They're like models posing for some kind of marketing thing, okay? So, but we tend to, we get drawn towards these pictures and, and we think, oh, if only my relationship could be like, could be like that relationship, Maybe you've seen pictures like this on uh, Facebook or Instagram. There's a celebrity couple right there. So um, that's me and my wife, Casey, okay? And uh, I do want to assure you that every one of those pictures is real. We are happy. And, and I have to stress that, okay, because as many of you know, a little over 20 years ago, I moved to America from England. And uh, in marrying Casey, it secured my green card, which was awesome because it meant I could, could stay. So I do want to assure you that these pictures weren't in any way taken in the way that if you remember that movie from the early 90s called Green Cards, there was a uh, picture-taking session in that movie. Uh, I'll refresh your memories here. Check out this clip. This is ridiculous. No, no, no. Look, for the green card, I'd do anything. Okay. Now, give me a camera. Huh? We need blue sky. Ah. Mm -hmm. We are on honeymoon, and we have to smile, of course. <laughs> okay, now, do it. Yes. Do on okay, the Okay, I do one. Okay? I do one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I need some blue sky. Okay. Political, buddy. What? I make the oppressed. You make the victory. Okay. Victory. Victory. Yeah. So if you've seen the movie, you'll remember that the, uh, the gentleman in the movie is wanting to live in the United States, so she strikes up this deal where uh, she'll pretend to be his wife so that he can get his green card, and they have to go for this interview, and uh, so they fake all these pictures of this wonderful relationship that they've had for many years. They've been on ski trips and all this kind of thing, and, and the crazy thing is, I can remember Casey and I going to Chicago for our interview. I remember being really nervous. We, we were really were married. We really were in love with each other, but I was still nervous because I'm like, what if I answer the wrong question? What if you 
asked me what toothpaste she uses and I can't remember and they assume I'm a scam and they kick me out of the country. But um, they were actually so backlogged that when we showed up for our interview, we had Ben with us in a carrier. He was about six months old. So that helped really kind of confirm this was legitimate. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm really sold out for this green card thing. But... Um, but those pictures, go match those pictures of Casey and I. So th those are real pictures. We're really happy they weren't just in order to get a green card. But the truth is, if you find yourself looking at those pictures this morning thinking, man, I want that, let me be clear this morning what it is you're asking for. You see, Casey and I, we have a great relationship. We still go on dates together. We watch movies. We eat meals. We have rich, meaningful, and intimate conversations. We still make each other laugh. We show genuine and sincere affection. Before you roll your eyes and gag at our hallmark love affair, let me, uh, let me carry on here, okay? Because what we have, it's, it's not so much a destination, it's an ongoing journey. We are very much still a work in progress. She's stubborn. I'm spoiled. She likes to confront. I like to avoid. Our relationship has been a road filled with massive miscommunications, painful misunderstandings, hurt feelings, and intense conversations. That's what us pastors call it when we fight, okay? They're just intense conversations. There's been some yelling, some slammed doors, some hung up phone calls. She likes to snuggle up close. I like my space. She likes her feet rubbed. I don't like feet, anyone's feet. I think they're gross. Um, seriously. She wants to have deep, meaningful conversations. I just want to finish the show I'm watching on Netflix. Um, we thought about the house, what to do on vacation, loading the dishwasher, unloading the dishwasher, whether or not plates should be rinsed before going into the dishwasher, which is no. That's why you have a dishwasher. But apparently, no, we have to rinse and wash every plate before it goes in the dishwasher. How I drive, how she drives, her forgetfulness in turning off the lights, the temperature in the house, how just because it's on sale doesn't mean it's cheap, how a shirt I've owned for 10 years should be replaced, but it's a perfectly good shirt, and it's comfy, so why can't I keep wearing it? It's a good question. We've fought over how to discipline the kids, what to watch, where to eat, when to eat, what to eat, how I eat, how I don't eat, how I'm not able to cook anything that I eat. <laughs> and believe me, the list goes on and on. But I'll be honest with you here this morning, so for Case and I, we have some relationship goals. One of those is very simply to work hard and do whatever it takes to make this marriage work. And while it's not a bad thing to look at other couples and to be inspired and to want to have some of the attributes that we may see in, in other couples' lives, the truth is that I believe there's, there's actually one place we should look that goes over and above, goes beyond other people in our lives. Because at the end of the day, when we look to other people, we've got to remember that just like you and me, they're human. They're not perfect. I think the better place that we can look for our guidance is a higher place. And I want to share three goals that I think could help all of us this morning in achieving our relationship goals. But before I get into the meat of the message here this morning, let me just address, <coughs> excuse me, let me just address who I believe is in the room this morning. Because I recognize this morning that, that there are some of you here this morning, and maybe you, um, you're not yet married. You haven't begun a relationship yet, and I don't want you to switch off this morning, okay? I don't want you to think, oh, this is just for married people, okay? Because some of these three keys we're going to look at this morning, I think they will enhance and change your life, whether you're in a relationship or not. 
In fact, right now, if you're a young man in the room and you take to heart some of these goals, there is a young woman somewhere that one day will become your wife and she'll be glad that you listen to this because you're gonna be a better husband because you took these keys to heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're actually dreading Thursday. Every time you see another rose or another flower or another box of chocolates at the store, it just turns your stomach because you're... It reminds you of a relationship that didn't pan out the way you wanted it to. Maybe it reminds you of a relationship that you're currently in that isn't where you'd like it to be. Again, I honestly believe you're going to find these keys just as beneficial to you, whether you're outside of a relationship or in the midst of a struggling relationship. Because I honestly mean this. I'm so sorry if you find yourself in that place this morning. I'm so sorry if this week is a week that you're not looking forward to because it just kind of adds salt to that wound. But I want to assure you that there is one relationship that this morning's message will help you strengthen. That's a relationship that you can have with a God who loves you so much. With a God whose love will never let you down. With a God whose love is better than any love you can any fi- ever find in any human relationship this world could ever bring. So I hope you'll take note of what we're talking about this morning. I think some of this will help you. And then if you're here this morning and you're in a relationship, maybe you're married and you're thinking, you know what, our relationship's okay. Well, as we found out last Sunday when we watched those AT&T commercials, sometimes just okay is not okay. So hopefully all of us are going to take a look at this this morning and say, what what relationship goals could I have? So let me jump right in now and give you what I think are the three keys to reaching our hashtag relationship goals. So the first one I think is Christ-centered. I really think this is a great, and again, whether you find yourself in a relationship, out of a relationship, heading into a relationship, I think this is a great goal for every one of us this morning. Maybe you've been coming to Connect for a while. You've yet to to make that decision to follow Jesus. You're still kind of checking things out. You enjoy the experience. You you enjoy coming here, but you're not sure if you're really ready to to fully commit to this idea of being Christ-centered. But let me me explain a little bit about what that looks like, what it means to be Christ-centered. Well, I think this actually can help enhance any relationship, but especially a marriage relationship. You see, whether you realize it or not this morning, let's all acknowledge that our life, our marriage, it's centered around something. Okay, it's not like there's a vacuum there, okay? Every one of us, our lives are centered around something. I got to hear a guy speak this week, and he was a pastor, but he used to be a missionary in Africa, and he was a missionary to the Maasai tribes people. He said they were a fascinating group of people, this unique culture, and he said even as he was sharing Jesus with them, he learned so much from them about the way they they lived their lives. And he said one of the things he noticed is that these, these Maasai men, they, they had these cows. They all owned these cows, and they really looked after these cows. They really treated these cows well. In fact, one day he was speaking to one of these Maasai men, and he said, I have to ask you a question. Who do you love more, your, your wife or your cows? And he said, the guy said, oh, it's tough. He said, I do love my wife a lot. He goes, I really do, but I love my cows as well. And I got to thinking, I wonder if if we have something like that in our lives. Many of us could say, I love my spouse, but I also love this. It could be our kids. It could be our career. It could be a sport of some sort, our image. And these aren't necessarily bad things, but they can occupy a seat that I feel is best reserved in our lives for Jesus. 
Jesus himself was talking about this in Matthew 22, 36 through 37. He said he was being questioned um, by the crowd there. They said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And he replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. You must, you must get to the point where God, where Jesus is the center of your life. Everything else revolves around him. In fact, when it comes to the, the, the concept of this hashtag relationship goals, I think that the biggest part of that problem is found in that concept itself. It's the idea those pictures present that if we can just find our one, then we can become two. If we can just find our one, the one that we were meant to be with, we'll become this beautiful two. Whereas in actual fact, Jesus wants to be your one. He wants your spouse to be two. Jesus wants to be number one, your spouse number two. And that's the best way to have it, to have Jesus as the center of your life. Here's why I believe that to be true. Jesus taught another time. He was teaching a parable, and uh, the parable was illustrating the power of everything he was teaching and how important it was to understand what it was he was teaching, but also how important it was to, to apply what he was teaching into our lives. So he explained it in this way. He told this story of these, these two men who built two different houses, and they were great houses. Every, both of them were really good houses. The only difference between these two houses was that one chose to build his house upon a foundation of rock, and the second guy chose to build his house on the foundation of sand. Now, here's what's interesting about this story is the houses themselves were fine. There was nothing wrong with the house itself. The difference was in the foundation. And for a while, you'd have known no difference, but then Jesus said one day a storm came along. Winds blew and water came in and, and when impacted by the storms, the house that was built on the strong foundation survived, but the house that was built upon sand on the poor foundation crumbled to the ground. Jesus used that parable to say, when you build your lives upon me, when you live a Christ-centered life, it's like building your house upon a rock. Because we're going to face storms. There will be troubles and trials in our lives. We're going to go through difficult times. But when we build our relationships, when we build our life upon the rock, Jesus will stand strong. And I think for some of us, we tend to build our relationships, our, our lives. We build so much upon our spouse and we put this expectation upon them. We put all this, and, and it looks fine from the outside until the storms come, until troubles come. And, and the truth is, we're all human. We're going to let one another down. But when Christ is at the center of our lives, when we're building that foundation upon him, then even when people around us, even when the people we love the most let us down, we can draw strength from the foundation of Jesus on whom we've built our lives. Again, if you're in a relationship, you're out of a relationship, you're between relationships, or you have no desire whatsoever to be in a relationship, that's fine. But I would still suggest to you all this morning that Christ-centered is the way to go. Christ-centered is a great place to start with your relationship goals. The second key, the second idea I had was, was not just Christ-centered, but your relationship should be commitment-driven. 
commitment-driven. Now, here's what I mean by that, okay? Because maybe some of you were expecting the word love to crop up at some point. It's Valentine's Day after all, and, and this would have been a nice spot to have put love-driven, and, and that would have been okay. But here's the problem. I see, when I think of love, I tend to think of love more as an emotion, Okay, and I think that's partly because, you know, when we think of love, and especially this week, I'm sure there'll be some romantic comedies and some romantic movies that'll come out on TV, and and when we think of love, we can't help it. We're drawn to this idea that sometimes Hollywood portrays as what love should look like. Maybe when you think of love, you think of an emotion that you, you feel when you watch a movie that's based on a book by Nicholas Sparks. Now, now, here's the problem I have with that, okay? Here's just eight pictures of Nicholas Sparks' movies. Are you seeing the problem here? The formula? It's like, what does love look like? Well, you'll need two people, beautiful people, two beautiful people. Their heads will need to be very close to each other at all times. Um, If you can get some water in there somewhere, that's really going to help. But there is a formula here, and it will work. And if you find that person, nothing can stop it, because that's love. Look at it right there. (laughs) <laughs> see here's the thing and don't, don't get mad at me don't, I'm, I, I am a romantic aren't I <laughs> it's like, yeah, no I think commitment driven is a better word because I think commitment is a better definition of love if you really want to know what love looks like then commitment is a great example because I think love isn't a, 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 um, an emotion it's a verb, it's an word. It's something we do. And relationships take work. Relationships take effort. And relationships take commitment. Paul writes to um, a group of Christians in a city called Corinth, and he's talking about this very idea of love. And you'll be very familiar with this, this passage I'm about to read. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And you've heard it read at weddings many times. And there's a version of the Bible that's called The Message, and it's a translation that's very modern. It kind of takes the, uh, the original translation that, that Paul would have written in, in Greek, and then it kind of makes it really contemporary. And I love the way The Message um, does this passage. So listen to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. And think about love here in the context, not of an emotion, but love in the context of a commitment that we make. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It always looks for the best, never looks back. But it keeps going to the end because love never dies. When I read that, I read Paul talking about um, not an emotion, but a, um, a challenge, a commitment, a journey. <laughs> did that whistle through the mic? <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> Sorry, got a little bit of a cold, so... There's a guy by the name of John Gottman. He's a, he's a doctor who researches relationships. And I just keep thinking he's the doctor of love. So he, uh, 
But he has a great website. He talks all about different um, relationship goals and things like that. And he talks about the idea of commitment in a relationship. And I found this quote from him, which I liked a lot. It said, in a relationship, commitment is a choice we make every single day over and over again. If you've been married here this morning for any length of time, you'll know that that is really the definition of, of what a successful marriage looks like. It's that commitment to make a choice every single day over and over again. We choose it when we're tired and overworked and stressed. We choose it no matter what attractive person crosses our path. We choose it every time our partner makes a bid for attention and we put down our book or we look away from the TV or up from a phone to acknowledge their importance in our life. When we make our relationship a priority by showing that it is a priority, we build trust and we demonstrate loyalty. I love that idea of, of the fact that the commitment is an ongoing thing. It's not something that we stood together on our wedding day and we looked um, lovingly into one another's arms and we said, I'm going to make a commitment. It's, it's making that decision every single day to continue on in that commitment. Case and I are both very fortunate. We both come from families where our parents are still married. Um, Casey's parents actually this year celebrated, just this last year, celebrated 50 years of marriage. So they've been married 50 years. So an awesome milestone for her mum and dad. And uh, we love having them in our lives. They decided that to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary, they didn't want to do a party. They didn't want gifts. Uh, they said, listen, this year, instead of coming for Christmas together, they decided they were going to pay for a, a house to be rented down in Florida between Christmas and New Year. And all of the family were going to go down there and just spend five, six, seven a month, it felt like, but about a week <laughs> together under one roof, which was a wonderful present for them to give us, and uh, they covered the cost of the house, we provided the food, and uh, it was a great present, but I need to expound a little bit on what that present really meant, okay? So um, Casey's parents are wonderful parents, like I said, they had six children, all six children got married, all those children had grandchildren, so now we now have a total of 28 grandchildren and one on the way. Um, and did I mention that we were all going to be in the same house? I, I think I did. There, there's the, uh, the whole tribe of us there on the beach one day. Now, fantastic picture. That was one of the only days it didn't rain. Every other day we were there, it did rain. So we stayed in that one house. I don't know if I mentioned that or not yet, but we were all together. All, <laughs> what was the total, 51? 41. 41. Felt like 71, but it was 41. Um, <laughs> in one house together, which was brilliant, just being together as a family. Um, unfortunately, one of the siblings had had a uh, new baby recently, and uh, he was still fairly young. He hadn't started talking yet, but he had learned to communicate to his mum by screaming, which was um, very effective, and he liked to wake up at six every morning and uh, made sure to communicate very loudly to his mum. It was like being in a jungle and hearing just a wild animal just screeching. That was the noise I would wake up to each morning. And, uh, but it was okay. We were together as a family in, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but in one house. And um, somebody like, come on, Dave, you could have taken a nap later in the afternoon. And I, I did. Well, I tried to. My other nephew brought his drum kit with him, and that was outside our bedroom. And the best time to practice was during the afternoon. So this was a pretty crazy week. But the truth is, we actually loved it. 
You can talk to any of the family. We had a great time. Despite the uh, miserable weather, the kids were in the pool every day swimming. They got on with their cousins. And, and for me, one of the most fun parts of the trip down there was because we were celebrating their parents' 50th wedding anniversary, there was a lot of time of sitting around together and eating and asking questions and, and, and talking about what it was, what was the key was to their, their marriage, how they'd survived 50 years, how they'd raised such great kids. And, and you know what? There was never a mention of any Nicholas Sparks movies. It just... They talked about just commitment and just working hard at their marriage and making that commitment to to weather the storms, the ups and the downs. And, And they've been through a lot as a family. But great ambassadors, great to see their commitment. I think Christ-centered is the foundation upon which every relationship should be built. But I think that commitment-driven You can say love-driven if you want, but if you want a better definition of the word love, then put the word commitment there, commitment-driven. And then the final one, Case and I were talking a lot about this this week because she could see where I was going, so we were trying to think of a good C word for the last one, and we were looking at our relationship and thinking about some different things. And, And here's one that we came up with that we felt has helped us. This is part of our relationship goals. I hope it helps you this morning, and that is connecting often. Connecting often. Let me explain what I mean by that. So thousands of years ago, uh, there was a a very wise man by the name of Solomon, and we've talked about him here before at Connect, and he he wrote some proverbs that are full of wisdom, but he also wrote a book called Song of Solomon, which is kind of a love story, and it talks about relationships, and uh, it's a great book. But in that story, he talks about how relationships can come under attack, and how relationships, you know, we have to guard against the things that would, would damage or harm our relationships. And listen to the way he describes it in Song of Solomon 2 verse 15. He says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes. You see, the idea that Solomon is portraying here in this, this visual, in this story about relationships, is that sometimes it's the smallest things. It's the little foxes that can get in and do the most harm. Did you know last year, tornadoes, okay, we're familiar with them here in Washington, Illinois. Tornadoes last year in the United States did $400 million worth of damage across the United States. $400 million worth of damage from tornadoes alone. Pales into insignificance compared to the $30 billion worth of damage done by, you know what? Termites. Termites! They did... So much more damage than tornadoes. And you know what? I've never heard the termite siren go off. Every month, this siren, just in case there's a tornado, but these termites are doing far more damage. It's a great illustration, isn't it? We we fear these big things, but sometimes it's the small things that do more harm. That's what Solomon is talking about here with the foxes. It's those little things that can get in to, to hurt and harm and disrupt relationships. And I think we could all say that this morning. If we've been in a relationship, we could say, you know what? It wasn't the big things. It was just some of those small things. But I want to flip that idea on its head this morning with this idea of connecting often. Because in the same way that it's the, the big things that can, that can harm, that can, sorry, it's the small things that can do more damage sometimes than the big things, I think in a successful, healthy relationship, it's those small little things done consistently that can strengthen our relationships.
We think, you know, when it comes to um, our marriage, when it comes to our relationships, the key is the trip to Paris, the expensive gifts, the, the mariachi band serenading your loved one, arriving in a white limo, climbing the fire escape just to deliver the roses. Those are the things that will save our relationship. Those are the things that will liven up our relationships. And while big grand gestures are great, that same doctor, Dr. John Gottman, he suggests that the key to relational success is actually small moments of positive attention. He gives these ideas. He says, taking time to send a text to your spouse at work during the day, paying a compliment, pausing for a hug or a kiss, taking a walk together, or simply connecting over your favorite beverage together. He suggests finding 15 to 20 minutes each day to have a stress-reducing conversation with your partner. Let them talk about their day. Let them vent. Let them celebrate. Have that time where you can connect together. These sound like small things. Just like Solomon pointed out, though, it's the small things that could be the most impactful Martin Luther King has a famous quote. He says, if I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. The idea behind that quote as he was taking on the the entire um, huge mountain of the civil rights movement was, I may not be able to change everything in one foul swoop, but I can do a lot of small things. I can encourage people to do a lot of small things. And enough people do enough small things, maybe we'll see the great change that we want to see. So maybe this morning for your relationship, it's as simple as connecting often. Making a commitment to do the small things this week. But that doesn't let you off the hook on Thursday. You've still got to do a big thing on Thursday. (laughs) Okay? You can't be like, Dave said small things, so here's a little post-it note. I love you. (laughs) Post-it notes are good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. But Thursday, there better be a card of some sort. Christ-centered. That's just great advice for any of us in any of our lives, in any aspect, that our foundation isn't built upon the person that we love, isn't built upon that person, but it's built upon Jesus. Commitment-driven, every day striving to say, God, I want you to help me, help us move forward in this relationship and connecting often. Let's pray. Father, I'm aware that when we speak about a subject like this, that there will be some here this morning who, um, this is a painful time, remembering a relationship that didn't work out. Maybe the, uh, the loneliness at times of being outside of a relationship right now. So I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, for all of those folks, as we focused in on this idea of marriage and spouses and love, Lord, would you just let them feel your love and comfort in this place this morning? Because ultimately, Lord, even the married people in the room here would say, the greatest relationship that any of us can have is a relationship with you. To have our lives be Christ-centered. And whether we're single, married, divorced, engaged, Christ-centered is something that every one of us can achieve. You can fill that desire that every one of us has for love and acceptance. That's the best place to start. And then for those of us this morning, Lord, who are in relationships, who are married. Lord, life's tough. Sometimes we fight. Sometimes we argue. Just being Christians here this morning, there are many of us, Lord, who who think that because Jesus is in our lives, it'll be easier, but it's just as hard for us. Help us, Lord, to stay committed to the long haul. Help us, Lord, to, to keep 
fighting the fight to look for opportunities to connect off and to keep you at the center of our lives. Because, Lord, we want our love for our spouse, the, the accepting love, the forgiving, every aspect of true love to just be a reflection of your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much. Now help us to love others and love our spouses. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.